Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at TCKpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. What up, TCK Potters? We are back with you. This is your host, Sky. Guasco of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, a.k.a. TCK Pod. I am with my mans, Lucas Kaser. Lucas, great to have you back, buddy. How are you? Doing good. Hopefully everyone was able to um, wrap their head around the the long, in-depth, um, maybe confusing, maybe rewarding Strength of Schedule podcast we did with the Commish Boys a couple of days ago. Um, definitely was good to get some more insight kind of on the tool we built uh, which is on the website, which is on the commission site. It's just a link to a Google sheet. Um, if you are interested to look, if not, just ask us questions about certain things. And we'll definitely be referencing the numbers from here on out because we do have the numbers. Um, so that was a good episode to do. But besides that, we got a pretty good slate. Uh, this is like the first week, I would say, where like every game is intriguing to me I'm on some different capacity. I know there's the other games where you're just like, I don't even care to watch it or care what happens, but there's not really one game this week where I, where I kind of feel that. So it's kind of exciting. Yeah, I agree. And doubling back really quickly on, on what you're referencing, if folks are just tuning in at this point of the week and they haven't caught up with the rest of our episodes, on Monday, we dropped our 300th episode. So go check that out. It was a long one. It was about an hour and a half, but it's chock full of information. We brought in Josh McDonough and Chris Benavides of the Commish Fantasy Football Podcast to join us. The four of us have been working on a true strength of schedule formula and spreadsheet based on the raw numbers of uh, what the actual results are week to week per position, per player, per team throughout the league to get a true strength of schedule. And we discussed that far more in depth on that episode. I don't want to take too much time on that today, but that's what Lucas is referencing. And I Strongly recommend that if you're a stats nerd, if you're an analytically based fantasy player, as you know, Lucas and I and Dweez and Bobby and, and certainly the commission boys are as well. If you're into it in that uh, capacity and you appreciate what we bring to you on the podcast, uh, numbers based and analytically based, we go deep into the uh, into the nerd sphere um, on that podcast. So, so tune into it. And again, we're just kind of cracking the seal on something new, trying to see what we can discover and hopefully it will, um, uh, you know, birth more opportunity for us to dig deeper moving forward in the years to come. We are going to revisit that in a couple of weeks leading into our fantasy playoffs. And then we will revisit at the end of the season as well to see what we actually find, but make sure you go check that out. As far as the games, Lucas, I totally agree with you yesterday, Bobby and I did the morning slate. So you've, you all heard about those with the two uh, later games, the exception of the chargers, dolphins and bills and Arizona uh, Cardinals games. But as far as tonight's game, great game in the AFC South. And then the afternoon games are excellent. And Mm -hmm. it's finally an opportunity here. We're 10 weeks into the season, and the NFL finally gave us an even split of games. There's five in the morning, and there's seven in the afternoon. And then we have the evening games, of course, per usual. But usually it's like 10 games in the morning, two or three in the afternoon, which is just so silly. So I'm glad that they did that, and it's a nice even split. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. There's only one game on this slate, and it was actually on yesterday's uh, episode that I'm not crazy about. I'm not interested to watch for NFL purposes. There's not a lot of fantasy value per se, especially if Matt Stafford's uh, not going to play through injury. Um, But it's Washington at Detroit. Um, Not really a sexy game there, but to your point, pretty much every other game either has great NFL um, bases like playoff seating or just great competition on both sides of the ball uh, for NFL purposes or fantasy insight there. And a lot of them, of course, have both. So, all right, man, let's jump into the uh, afternoon games. We'll start with tonight's game, of course. Let's get a quick recap 
on where we currently sit for the standings for our overall pickums. Of course, at the end of the episode, we will get into our pickums per usual. Lucas, Bobby, and I made a little bit of ground on you last week. Mm-hmm. Last week, you were eight and six. You've been kind of pacing the group recently, but Dweez passed you up at nine and five. Bobby and I both were 10 and four, and I was basically a field goal away and a Joe Flacco uh, purpose inter- interception to um, give the Jets the number one pick away from uh, going 11 and three on the week. But you're still up at the top here, 66 and 36. Bobby and I at 64 and 38, and then Dewey's pulling up the rear at 59 and 43. All right, buddy, let's jump into tonight's game here. We have the Indianapolis Colts at the Tennessee Titans. This is going to be a great game. I'm really excited about this game. Basically, um, you know, at the end, the, the Titans have been on an absolute tear. The Colts are kind of hit or miss, but they've had a pretty rough schedule as of late. I do think there's an opportunity for the Colts to kind of start battling back, and we see them kind of constantly in this division. It's always up for grabs. Houston has really fallen off this year, obviously, but you know, they can beat anybody to any given weekend and we'll see what Jake Luton can do. He looked, make that uh, offense look a lot better there with the Jags. So the Colts come in at five and three, the Titans are six and two, the division still pretty much up in the air tonight for the Colts side. First question is going to be, I mean, Michael Pittman was one of my favorite rookie wide receivers coming in uh, this season he got injured early he's been out for quite a while but he's been a great addition last week he had a season high in targets and receiving yards the rest of the wide receiver options in, in uh, Indianapolis are pretty much unusable in my opinion I'd like to hear from you on that tight ends it's just a matter of who you're going to pick Trey Burton's running for touchdowns Mo Ali Cox is hit or miss to even play and Jack Doyle unfortunately is in the NFL concussion protocol and injured once again running backs this is maybe one of the most frustrating exciting but frustrating running back cores in the NFL we all know about Jonathan Taylor high draft pick basically a pick in the fourth round in almost every league and has been almost unusable for fantasy purposes so far on the other hand Jordan Wilkins is getting work scoring touchdowns Naheem Hines has hit or miss games but doing well in PPR leagues and Phillip Rivers is basically a super flex option um, at best on the other side with Tennessee, you start your studs. A.J. Brown has been on fire. Derrick Henry, a down week last week, but we know Derrick Henry. He'll be fine. Ryan Tannehill has been great, um, very efficient. Corey Davis had a goose last week, but he's been really efficient as well. Jonu Smith basically touched down or bust, but as is most tight ends there. So, Lucas, a lot to unpack here for fantasy purposes. We'll start with the Colts. How are you feeling about other receiving options, including tight end, outside of Michael Pittman? And do you even start Michael Pittman in this matchup? And then how do you feel about this running back core? And on Tennessee, are you starting everybody, including Corey Davis? Yeah, I think this is this is a game where normally I wouldn't say don't really listen to what I have to say, but this is kind of one where you have to sort of make your own analysis for it because there's definitely a lot of sides to this um, over under what side you think is better for the, like which team you think is flat out better, which, which way they're going to attack these teams. I really think the only guys you can start collectively – um, are Michael Pittman, and then on the other side, Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, and Johnny Smith. I think that the Rivers, I mean, if you're deciding between him, it's probably super flex, so maybe you have to, and the matchup is a plus matchup, so take it with what you will there. Um, but the running backs, I mean, Jonathan Taylor's highest snap share, keep in mind this is without Marlon Mack the whole year, has been 68%. That was over. That was about two months ago, back in week two. The last two weeks has been 33 and 31% of the snap share in games where, I mean, the Baltimore game, they weren't winning, but like it was a competitive game in the Detroit game, which they were winning. So you'd expect them to have a positive game script and give them the ball. And I don't even know, like, frankly, I think it's just because he's not that good. I think he's just a good college running back. And it kind of like sucks because the, the, the team fit, the scenario, the opportunity were all lined up for this complete and easy smash spot for a fourth round, third round pick, whatever it was. But he just doesn't look good. He just looks super one-dimensional in the fact that he doesn't pass block. He doesn't catch passes. He runs up and down the field. He runs like Derrick Henry without doing what Derrick Henry does, I guess, so far this year. So I think – I guess you can start him if you want, but I would stay away from him. But then again, like I said, if you think this is going to be a grinder game where they're going to run the ball 25, 30 times each, then you probably want to play him. But if you think they're going to attack the the Tennessee secondary that's been very exploitable, then – there's no reason to play him because he's frankly not going to see the field at much more than a 35 to 40% snap share rate. And I think Pittman, yeah, I think it was kind of, I didn't really like necessarily watch the Colts game that much last week, but 
he was getting targeted a lot on first down to kind of the go-to targets, seven targets, like you said, and that should only stay the same or increase. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm assuming Hilton's not going to play because I know he got banged up and it's a short week, um, which would only help him, obviously. But yeah, I think he's the one guy that if he's on your waivers too, obviously you're listening to this afterwards, but maybe he didn't get pick up, picked up. Uh, you go pick him up. And if you have him, go play him. And then Tennessee. Yeah, I think you just stick with your big four. If you want to roll out Davis to take a chance, go for it. But he's kind of just in that flex-ish type of range um, in, until we see different on a more consistent basis. So I'm looking right here on our sheet that we created. And again, we dove in pretty deep on Monday for our 300th episode, but I'm looking at the strength of schedule here. And so far through this point of the season, the Titans have the 11th easiest matchup overall against running backs. So that could help Jonathan Taylor. But I, I agree with you, man. And I drafted him everywhere I could. Obviously, everybody was excited preseason. And when he landed on the Colts, it was just like a dream spot. The, the positive I'm trying to take out of this is I remember Melvin Gordon's rookie year which yeah. was uh, a great season in general for a rookie yardage wise workload carries all that stuff, but he didn't score. Melvin Gordon didn't score. And that was a huge red flag. People faded him. He popped off the next year, basically became Melvin Gordon and then had an incredible, you know, three, five year stint um, with the then San Diego chargers. So, you know, pump the brakes, like don't go crazy. I think if anything, you might be a, a a buy low um, Jonathan Taylor. He's just frustrating. He's also a little bit banged up. He did get some good work, but I, I agree with you. His, his vision is not something that I'm impressed by. He's a big back. So if he gets through the line, he can make moves happen. But what makes Derrick Henry and uh, Marshawn Lynch, even LeGarrette Blunt, uh, honestly special is that they can find a hole and exploit it. And then once they get to the second level, they can start blowing through guys I haven't seen that yet with Jonathan Taylor with any frequency this year, which is what concerns me because in college that offensive line at Wisconsin is the best in the league or best in the NCAA every season. So he was incredible for three years. We all know that. But I think the issue is we've seen with Wisconsin running backs that come into the NFL, they then get onto, you know, an NFL squad against NFL defenses and they're used to huge holes. And so are they able to actually make a secondary play from there? And unfortunately, in recent memory, we've really only seen Melvin Gordon from Wisconsin come out and uh, do well for any length of time. Um, so a little bit concerned about Jonathan Taylor as well. But, you know, the reality is, Lucas, I mean, if, if you have Jonathan Taylor, are you playing him this week is, is ultimately the question. I mean, like unless you manage your waiver good, but there's not even there hasn't even been that many waiver running backs Um Obviously, every league is different. Like, you kind of have to play him. I feel like, like, at least the leagues I'm noticing, a lot of my friends or league mates that have him, like, they're kind of trapped to play him, if that yeah. makes sense. Or, like, yeah, yeah, like, there's different – and this happens every year. There's guys like this every year. Like, I think a clear one last year was David Montgomery. He was kind of in the same spot. Like, he's going to – like, Taylor's going to finish as, like, an RB2 in terms of final fantasy finish. So, like, it's going to be like – and it wasn't a terrible pick, but, like, everyone knows what happened last year with Montgomery. Like, it just wasn't – um, what, what what you thought it was due to many reasons, clearly, right? So I think it's just one of those ones where you plug him in if you have to and you just hold your breath and hopefully he falls into the end zone. But, like, we can't expect – we can't expect anything different than what we've seen until we see it to be different um, going forward. I agree. Are you comfortable with either one of these other guys um, just, like, starting? Because it is a it's, a – it's a tough backfield and nobody is comfortable starting Jordan Wilkins, but – maybe Naheem Hines, especially yeah. in PPR leagues? I mean, I play Hines in a couple, like, deep dynasty PPR leagues, but, like, I don't know. It's it's tough because this the problem with this Colts team is the first five, six weeks they were figuring out their identity with Rivers, and now I think they're finally hitting the stride where they could care less who's on the field, who they're throwing the ball to, who who's scoring the touchdowns, how they're scoring them. They're just there to win games. Um, which obviously is is ideal for an NFL team, right? So I would say Hines if you have to in a deep league, but like there's just no reason to mess with it when there's so many other like PPR plays I feel like week in and week out than these guys. Sure, fair enough. All right, that is tonight's game with the Colts and the Titans. Enjoy Thursday night football. Lucas, let's jump in to the back half of the Sunday slate. Again, 
we finally have more than like two or three games. So we did preview yesterday, the chargers and the dolphins and the bills and the Cardinals with Bobby. So tune back if you missed out on that one, but Lucas, we'll start here with your Broncos coming in at three and five against the Raiders in Las Vegas at five and three traditionally. And at least the last two or three years, both these teams have been pretty hit or miss. Um, just not very good, but they always have a great NFL game. It's always close. It's always up in the air. Um, this rivalry goes back, you know, to the beginning of the merger in 1970. Um, many, many years of the Broncos and the Raiders here. The Broncos, man, you know, Drew Locke basically had a career day last week. Do we trust him again this week? Albert O lost for the season, unfortunately. Noah Fant playing through injuries, but still banged up. Tim Patrick banged up, but had a good game. Um, we get Jerry Judy, and, you know, it's going to be. Interesting to see what happens with Philip Lindsay moving forward as well, if he can stay healthy with Melvin Gordon as well here. So interested to hear what you want to do with the Broncos against this Raiders offense. It's pretty much giving up points every which way. And on the Raiders side, same thing every week. You start Waller, you start Jacobs. Do you feel comfortable firing up any of these receivers and uh, Derek Carr as well on the other side there in a, a spot stream if you had to? Yeah, I think the quarterbacks, they're just super flex plays. I don't I don't know if they're really entering maybe maybe lock just because this Raiders defense has been kind of torn apart in terms of a one quarterback league. The running backs, I was kind of hoping it'd be Lindsay's breakout game. Kind of he's been kind of like quietly taking over this backfield, but then it just didn't happen. Uh the, last week was kind of a weird game for the Broncos. They just kind of came out down right away. So even Gordon really didn't get anything going. Um so I'd say you play Gordon play Lindsay if there's bye weeks that you have to fill in and just hope for, I don't know, nine, eight, nine points from him. Uh, Jerry Judy finally had this game that I don't even want to call it a breakout game. I think it was Pat Shermer just opened his eyes to Jerry Judy on being on the field and finally got him the ball. So that should continue over this week. Um, the Raiders are, uh, I think they're pretty high on our range of outcomes for receivers here. Um, just pulling it up. Actually, they're right around average, but the the fantasy points lap again, they're pretty high up there. But it's very secluded to Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy, and like a couple of KJ Hamler targets. Um, so Judy should get his target share. I think Tim Patrick kind of comes in. You can kind of rank him like below Pittman and kind of above Corey Davis, who is kind of like the. I know we just talked about them, so it's kind of easy to like reference that sort of flex play, if you will. Um, and then Fant, fire him up, obviously, if he's a full go. I know he got kind of banged up, but he came back in. Uh, Jacobs, yeah, I think that Waller, you have to start clearly. And the Raiders receivers just kind of confused me because, like, Algalore is, like, kind of the wide receiver one, but then, like, he'll just fall off for a game and then, like, bounce right back to the wide receiver one for this team. Um, so I would say stay away if you can. Um, but, obviously, if, if you feel comfortable playing Algalore and you have so far this year, definitely roll with him because this game should be – I don't know about fairly high scoring, but it should be fairly pass heavy, fairly high pace. Um, kind of like the Chargers Raiders game last week. I agree. I didn't even bring up KJ Hamler. That's my bad on uh, listing the Broncos weapons there. He did have 10 targets last week. Tim Patrick had nine. KJ Hamler also had the game winner against the Chargers two weeks ago. So he's certainly getting more involved. So are you confident with these receivers, like picking one of these receivers to play? Or is this one of those Tom Brady situations? Obviously, last week was a shit show. We'll throw that out. But is this one of those things where you're not excited to play a receiver because you don't know who it's going to be for Denver, but you'll fire up Drew Locke? Or are you confident enough in all of these receiving weapons who, frankly, the last couple of weeks have really hit their stride? There was a lot of preseason hype when the Broncos brought in uh, Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler early. They brought in Albert O. Drew Locke was coming into his second year. You know, obviously, Cortland Sutton was healthy at the time. They bring in Melvin Gordon. They have Lindsey coming back. This offense was one of the most hyped offenses in general in fantasy football preseason. Cortland Sutton goes down. Melvin Gordon's not very efficient. Lindsey goes down. Locke gets hurt. Judy gets banged up. Tim Patrick now banged up. Fant and Albert O have kind of switched time out of the lineup. Are you confident here in this overall offense kind of moving forward? Um, or are you – I? the reason I ask is I'm still – I mean, if I'm a spot start and I'm filling up bye weeks, like this week, for example, we have the Falcons out and we have the Chiefs out. So we have a number of pass catching weapons not available. This week, you have to fire somebody up and I'm good with that. But on a normal season heading into playoffs, I'm not necessarily 
fully confident yet with this Broncos wide receiver core. I think the only one would be Judy, just based off the trends from the last two weeks. Uh, just hoping it continues over is the one that I'd like. I don't even know if like if like saying like I would start over the three. I think I would just start him in general going forward. Like I think he should be ranked right around the the flex sort of spot for receivers. Got it. Alrighty. I am. <laughs> I'm interested to see, man. We're gonna get into our picks, and uh, we know we know who you're picking. But um, I'm interested to see if they can get this one on the road here, uh, because honestly, again, as we mentioned, the AFC South up in the air. There is a wild card spot floating around here. And of course the chiefs are going to run away with the division in the AFC West, but there could be a secondary position there. And uh, the Broncos may have an outside chance to make a late run here. We'll see. All right, let's get into the Bengals and the Pittsburgh Steelers Bengals coming off a bye, two, five and one, the Steelers still barely undefeated. We're not going to talk about last week's game here, but a little bit sketchy, man. Um, Big Ben is out this week, but eligible to play on Sunday, assuming he does not contract COVID-19. Vance McDonald has the virus. Uh, Big Ben and some linemen were in close proximity. Therefore, they've been isolated, trying to avoid the situation. As of this podcast, he is not practicing with the team. He is not with the team, but he is technically eligible on Sunday if he can pass protocols by then. So I expect him to play as of right now. Another concern for Big Ben, though, which I think is more important to discuss, he got banged up on a particular play. He got up, he pointed to his knee, he kind of did that, you know, uh, um, you know, Big Ben waddle, if you will, that he's kind of always beat up. He went down, they ended up scoring a touchdown. Ultimately, they beat the Cowboys. But it was much, much closer than any Pittsburgh fan ever dreamed it was going to be on this particular Sunday. My question is, are you concerned about his health overall? As of this podcast, he's in if he passes the COVID protocols. But are you worried about his mobility in general, Lucas? And if so, does that affect any of the stud wide receivers? Otherwise, you fire up everybody for the Chiefs or for the Steelers, excuse me, I would imagine, especially Eric Ebron with a plus matchup against the Bengals um, as a streaming tight end. On the other side, with the Bengals coming off the bye, they have looked great recently. And as we mentioned on Monday, one of the surprising stats that we found is the Steelers are very, very stout against the run, but they are a top 10 easiest matchup against wide receiving cores. So with Joe Mixon potentially coming back fully healthy, are you comfortable firing him up against the Steelers squad? And if not, then are you good with these wide receivers? We have three or four options at this point, And can you fire up Joe Burrow at this point? So a lot of questions for fantasy football in this one. Yeah, I think the Steelers, I mean, I don't want to like try and stereotype them, but the number one in the NFL right now. So if Big Ben's not healthy, I'll bet you $100 the game gets moved to when Big Ben can play. We saw this with the Patriots for two weeks that um, they they refused to play with their backup. So Cam Newton got to play against the Broncos two weeks later. So I think this is one of those ones where I wouldn't worry about like the game being played without Big Ben. But on the health side, I, that is the, the question, I think. Um I don't want to say like I'm concerned because frankly, he hasn't really been good for fantasy just because they haven't needed him to be good to win these games. Right. And I think that's people are like, well, he kind of sucks. He's not putting up fantasy points. Like he's just doing enough. And if you watch the games, you can tell, like he's not really escaping the pocket. He's not really taking huge shots that are unnecessary. Like he used to have to, like they're just a good football team. So he's just making the easy throws and they're kind of doing all the work for him. So if he plays, if he, if he's cleared enough to play, I think he's, just play him. Like, I think he, I think he's okay to play. I think he'll do his 18 ish points with the chance at three, four touchdowns. Um, then I wouldn't worry about it. Juju's finally coming back to what we think he's going to be. He's kind of like that go-to target without like seeming as the go-to target for big Ben. And I think that's kind of been like the misunderstanding for this receiver core. Um, and then obviously Claypool and Deontay Johnson, who start. Yeah. Ebron, I think two weeks ago, we kind of mentioned that he was finally like he finally was getting a role on this team. And then clearly now he, you can see this role is, is actually legit. So he's definitely, I think in the top 12 every week, even probably top, he's probably right around like the seven to 10 range every single week for the tight ends on the Bengals side. I mean, you start Burrow, you start Boyd, you start Higgins, AJ Green, if you want to, just because they're going to be throwing the ball, they're going to be down. And that's what they've kind of thrived on just throwing a lot of air yards kind of, just kind of pedaling their way down the field and it seemed to be working. Um, you start either running back, meaning 
whichever one is the starter. So if Mixon's healthy, you got to play him just because he was probably your first round pick. And then if Mixon's out, you take Bernard because Bernard is the easiest projection of like 15 points every time Mixon does not play. It's going to be interesting. Are you sure? Well, I mean, it's not up to you, obviously, but if he does play again, the Steelers are the second worst matchup for opposing running backs coming off a bye, coming off of his injury. Are you confident enough to fire up Joe Mixon? Um, like, I, I think this is where, like, hmm, I think this is kind of where the range of outcomes tool comes in because you just have to lower your expectation for him. And then, then you have to evaluate, is that lowered expectation worth playing my backup running back over him? Cause like, I mean, on a baseline, like I'm not as confident, but then 95% of the time in any league situation, you have to play him in this situation. So just kind of evaluate your other options. Um, maybe think what is the the ideal outcome of this game? It's probably going to be a 10 point game most of the time. Well, we don't know. I mean, the Bengals beat the Titans two weeks ago, but ideally you'd think the Bengals are down by 10 ish the whole game. So they're just kind of throwing it. So do you bank on mixing catching passes or would you rather roll the dice with I don't know, McKinnon or a guy like that, that might be on your bench. It's more of just tempering expectations. Instead of mixing as your bona fide top six, top 10 weekly running back when you fire him in there, coming off the injury, coming off a bye with a banged up offensive line and against the Steelers, you really just have to kind of hope for RB2 numbers. And if you get a score or two, that's a bonus. I will say that the combination of Tony Pollard and a disgruntled somewhat struggling Zeke Elliott last week for the Cowboys with no offensive line did pretty well against the Steelers. And I think this offense as a whole for Cincinnati, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think the offense as a whole for Cincinnati is far better currently than what the Cowboys are are rolling out there. So with everybody fresh, I think there's a better chance for Joe Mixon to do all right. Three, four weeks ago when the Steelers were a hundred percent, I'm not sure that I would have, I would have, uh, comfortably fired him up but again you you may not have a an option there i want to talk about the steelers backfield really quick from last week and get your temperature on this it may be false alarms it may be something not to worry about at all but i can't overlook anthony mcfarlane getting uh three carries and two targets so five total touches james connor getting 11 total touches and benny snell getting three carries of course he is pretty much the goal line back as well Nobody scored and nobody had over five fantasy points against the Cowboys who are not exactly a stout rushing defense. Was this a product of the Cowboys getting up early in this game? I believe they were up 17, nothing early in this game and they had to just turn to big Ben chucking it. Um, Was it an off day? Is somebody banged up that I don't know about? Nobody has an injury designation that I see. Seems a little bit concerning. James Connors in the auto start every week but we've seen Benny Snell get more and more involved. And now rookie Anthony McFarlane is all of a sudden reemerging as well. Does this raise any red flags for you or am I overreacting here with the uh, Steelers backfield? I think it was one of those just game script situations, but, but then again, I think we got to pay attention this week or maybe a week or two to see the whole McFarlane thing play out. Um, Cause I think a lot of us envision McFarlane getting a role. It's just a matter of when. So I think what don't worry, play Connor. Don't worry about it. Um, but we can reevaluate probably in a week or two. Okay. Are Benny Snell and or McFarland worth a pickup in the general nature of starting to gather up your handcuffs? Would you, if you have Connor, would you want to have one or both of those guys? And if so, which one? I would say probably McFarland. That's now just because it looked like they featured him on both aspects. Of the the running and pass catching, that's tough though because like when it comes down to it, Snell is the direct handcuff. I still mm-hmm. think, but McFarland has more upside if Connor were to go down. So it's kind of a tough spot, I guess. So if I like had to pick one, I'd go McFarland um, just for the upside. But I think Snell is probably the safer bet. Got it. McFarland at this point is probably more available on waiver wires than Benny Snell because he's been out for a little bit, but um, I agree with you. All right, let's move on to the Seattle Seahawks and Los Angeles Rams. Uh, This one is, I guess, Lucas, I'll turn to you right away and just say, who are you not starting in this game? Both offenses have been high-powered this season. Goff is hit or miss, but this is a game at home in L.A. They've played very well against the Seahawks the last couple of years. The Seahawks coming off of a loss, but they're on the road again, so I'm sure they'll be throwing the ball. 
My only question in really this entire game is what do we do with the Seattle backfield? DJ Dallas has stepped up the last two weeks, been pretty efficient. Chris Carson potentially coming back. If he's active, do we just throw him back in there? Are you confident Pete Carroll would just put him back in his role for that? Obviously, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Russell Wilson are all auto starts. Tyler Lockett has, you know, we knew that the efficiency was going to be what gets him there. A three-touchdown performance is not something you can count on, but you're also kind of having to deal with three, four, five targets per week. You're just hoping he catches these 40-yard bombs from Russell Wilson. DK Metcalf at this point is not even uh, discussed. Uh, he's just – he's an auto start, obviously. On the other side for the Rams, Cup and Woods have not been uh, as advertised preseason. However, again, against the secondary, that is the worst against wide receivers. We should see them do well. Woods had two touchdowns before the bye week last week there. And then again, Goff at home. And with this running, uh, this backfield here, I'm not really excited about any of it for the Rams. Seattle has actually been a pretty decent rushing defense. Um, but if you had to start anybody, I would assume it's Henderson. But I'd like to hear from you on that. So how do you feel about basically both backfields here and we're starting the quarterbacks and wide receivers on both teams, correct? Yeah, I would just say I don't know, I would say stay away from Seattle backfield or not Seattle backfield, Rams backfield. I feel like it's just a headache to try and figure it out every week and even if you figure it out it's not like you're getting a bunch of fantasy points, I guess. Like I, this kind of seems like a double negative all around um no matter which way you slice it up. So I would just say stay away from them. Yeah, you're starting literally everyone in this game. Um, yeah, uh, this is going to be the most shootout shootout game of all time. Um, Seattle backfield, if Carson's healthy, he's the workhorse. Like, I think it's just Dallas kind of filled in. I think, like, long-term, I think Dallas has looked decent enough to where they're not going to spend on the running back, and they're just going to let Carson walk this year and just let Dallas fill in. So, if you're in a dynasty league, I would say wait till maybe next week or two if Carson comes back and then go trade for Dallas. Um, but – I would just say whoever the starting running back is, let them roll in Seattle. Uh, you're not really expecting a ton of volume, but all of the touches they get are pretty high um, uh, fantasy priority or fantasy potential touches. Um, but yeah, you're starting literally everyone. Um, and we'll continue to watch Gerald Everett be the tight end one in LA. <laughs> so with, uh, with so many wide receiver weapons on the bye, as I mentioned, so the Jets are on bye. We're not worried about the Jets' offensive weapons, but the Chiefs, the Cowboys, and the Falcons are all on bye. So arguably the three heaviest wide receiving cores out of this game um, are on a bye week this week. So if you're really struggling, are you comfortable with anybody? You know, Van Jefferson making an appearance last couple of weeks. Josh Reynolds has been okay in spot starts. David Moore has popped up on occasion for Seattle. Are you comfortable with any kind of like deep alternatives for anybody dealing with heavy injuries or excess bye weeks this week? I think David Moore would be the only one and you're just completely banking on a long touchdown, which is his kind of specialty, I guess you could say. Um, he'd be the only one that I would kind of throw in uh, if, if needed. Okay. That's going to be a fireworks game, man. I'm excited about that for NFL purposes. Of course, as a 49er fan, I'm hoping that they uh, tie – um, but ultimately, I think it's better that Seattle wins this game and, and the Rams lose for the 49ers, but uh, we shall see. All right, man, let's get into those 49ers here. The 49ers trying to bounce back a ton of injuries and COVID and everything else. Uh, we'll see what actually happens with them. Um, they are going up against the Saints this week. And the Saints, I mean, obliterated the, the Buccaneers um, on Sunday Night Football. It wasn't even close early i mean they beat them on defense beat them through the air beat them on the ground they just absolutely smashed so the saints dominating the nfc six and two the niners trying to hold strong get that seventh wild card spot maybe even an eighth they talked about adding a spot as well a couple of weeks ago we'll see what happens with that but the niners at four and five here just trying to keep their head above water now good news for san francisco is that they do activate a number of players off of the IR. So if you remember last week going up against the Packers, they basically had a GB squad out there. I was actually surprised the NFL didn't move the game up a little bit to give the Niners somewhat of a chance. But they, of course, have Jimmy G out. They have Raheem Mostert out. They have Jeff Wilson out. They have George Kittle out due to injuries. But they also had Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Kendrick Bourne, their three top receivers, and their top offensive lineman, Trent Williams, out due to the COVID reserve those have all been activated this week. So hopefully they will get a better opportunity coming into week 10 here uh, for the Niners. I mean, 
at this point, are you comfortable firing up anybody? We saw Richie James come out of nowhere last week and have a career day after zero stats the rest of the season, right? Kendrick Bourne started looking good with Nick Mullins, but then, of course, he was out last week. Do you fire up Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel now that they're back? Can you count on any one of these guys to be like – all of them should be somewhat of a floor play because they'll get enough work, but who's going to actually stand out of, amongst this uh, 49ers wide receiving core? Can we trust Jordan Reed slash Ross Dwelly as that Kittle tight end fill-in? Jordan Reed was supposed to be the guy, didn't even do anything last week. Ross Dwelly had a couple of catches, but it wasn't much as the Packers ran him early. Then in Superflex, are you comfortable with Nick Mullins against this pretty stout Saints defense? On the other side, it's the Saints. You start your you start your studs. Mike Thomas knocked off the rust last week, looked good in, in limited uh, action there against the Buccaneers. You fire him up, obviously. Your buddy E-Money Sanders is looking pretty good as well. You can fire him up. Troutman got a little bit of work. Jared Cook should be okay. Both running backs, I think, are okay in this game if you're stuck. However, the 49ers are the toughest matchup for opposing running backs. And Drew Brees, man, four touchdowns last week looked great. So, again, a lot of question marks in this game. Let's start with the 49ers. Does anybody stand out overall? Who are you comfortable with in this wide receiving core and running back core? And then for the Saints – are you comfortable with, let's say, Latavius Murray? Obviously, you fire up Alvin Kamara, but can you fire up uh, Latavius Murray with a bunch of running backs on by this week? I think um, on the Niners side, I think you can probably play Mullins in a super flex, so they should be down in this game. I think that the running backs, I would say McKinnon and just be done with it. Don't even try and think about the Niners giving the ball to Hasty, I guess, because I think that's kind of like the vibe. People think they're going to try and run the ball. But then sometimes when you get down by a lot, like we saw last week, you can't run the ball that much. Um, if if I'm pretty I'm fairly certain Ayuk is like going to play, I think that's pretty dead set. So yeah, I played him. I would I would play him if Debo plays. You play Debo. I think if Debo doesn't play, I think Richie James is definitely playable. I don't think it was a fluke. Um, that that stat line is not a fluky stat line. Like you don't just do that against the Packers and then, I mean, he clearly could fall back off face of the earth. But then you don't get work the next week. Um, and I think this game is going to be the Niners. I mean, the Raiders, the, what the Raiders do is they keep the ball in the middle of the field and they destroy the, not destroy the Saints, but they pretty much handled the Saints. If we remember, I don't know, week two or three, whenever they played on Monday night, I think the Niners are going to be pretty successful at doing that against this team. On the flip side, you play Breeze, you play Kamara, you play Thomas. Um, you could maybe flirt with Sanders or Traquan Smith, um, but I don't really know who the number two is in a sense there. And then Murray, I think you just – Keep him on the bench because, I mean, the only reason you drafted him was, was if Kamara got hurt. I don't really know if there's a reason to play him when some of these other fill-in guys can have more potential. Last week on Sunday Night Football, the New Orleans Saints held the Buccaneers to an NFL record worst five rushing attempts. Five rushing attempts because they got up so much so early. They were up, what is it, 38-3 to three at one point, 31-3. to three. Yeah. At one point, and Brady basically had to just chuck it the whole game. And that Marshawn Lattimore, we discussed it on Monday. Marshawn Lattimore shut down Mike Evans. Chris Godwin still banged up. Antonio Brown had his first game, but wasn't quite clicking. Your boy Gronk dropped a touchdown, and they couldn't really get it going through the air. I think the 49ers established the run early because that's what they do, and they try to control the clock because really that's their only choice to keep up with the Saints. So it's going to be very interesting there. Um, but the Saints are a top 10 defense against the run. So the 49ers and the Saints are both going up against top 10 defenses with that rushing game. Alvin Kamara is automatic, but in this Niners backfield, there's a lot of, you know, just kind of who's going to be that guy if they're healthy. And Jermichael Hasty was popular last week, but didn't really do anything. Jared McKinnon ended up getting the touchdown. So we'll, we'll see what happens there, but it's going to be an interesting game. And again, kind of some low key uh, NFC aspirations on the line here with the 49ers trying to just stay relevant. And the the uh, Saints trying to stay up at the uh, top of the pack there at six and two. All right, man, let's get into Sunday night football, and then we'll do Monday night football. We jump into the Ravens versus the Patriots. The Ravens at six and two against the Patriots at three and five. The Patriots squeak out an accidental win against the Jets on Monday night football. Cam Newton, to his part, did look better. Nikhil Harry gone. Uh, Julian Edelman gone. There is no tight end. Rex Burkhead ends up being the top running back this particular week. James White pretty much unused, unfortunately. Damian Harris looked good, but he wasn't used as much as Burkhead. And then Demir Bird has looked uh, 
looked quite good um, recently and the Patriots were able to move the ball ish. Uh, but again, it's, it's up against the jets. I'm certainly concerned with them getting up against uh, the Ravens here coming up, moving forward. And for the Ravens, had a little bit of a stall the last couple of weeks, but they ended up getting it done last weekend at the end. Do we think that, you know, uh, Lamar's automatic in single QB leagues and, and um, super flex, obviously, are we comfortable with Mark Andrews weekly? Because you have to Hollywood Brown got the squeaky wheel, but you know, are you comfortable with that? And then with the running back position, man, it's like, if Mark Ingram comes back, what do you do with the other two? And if Mark Ingram's out, I think there's still the same question. Gus Edwards is definitely the guy, but in the goal line where we get fantasy points, but JK Dobbins is out snapping him significantly. So what is, what are, what are we doing here in the, in the backfield of um, the Patriots and the Ravens? And are you comfortable with these wide receiver options? Yeah, I think on the Ravens side, you play Lamar, you play, I, I just say play Hollywood. Cause I think you just kind of have to, uh, Andrews, you got to play. The running backs is tough. If Ingram comes back, I would say you. I th- I would think they just kind of let Dobbins sort of fall down to the third on the depth chart is kind of what I envision. But if Do- if Ingram's out, I think you play both. I think you have to because I think when it comes down to the goal line here, I think Belichick's just going to try and take away Lamar, meaning that. Not that even the Ravens are like stuffing Lamar on the goal line. They're actually giving the ball to Edwards even at a more higher rate. But I think Belichick will let Gus Edwards sort of beat him on the goal line instead of Lamar. So I think Edwards would get his touches. I think Dobbins is just not that like his workload is increasing every week, but like you're just like you can just tell that like they're getting more comfortable to him working into this offense. So I think he'll be a good start in this on the New England side. Uh, I think you start came in one quarterback leagues. I think we kind of saw a little bit of a resurgence of this offense last week. The running backs on New England, I, I guess Harris, but Burkhead looked good last night. I don't, I don't know. I would just say stay Harris because that's kind of what the trends have been showing the last couple of weeks. Um, and the receivers Myers last night, kind of for the last two weeks or two and a half, you could say, because he had a good target share the week before or two weeks ago. He looks pretty good, and I think we we kind of prefaced it on Monday that Baltimore is pretty attackable in the secondary. Um, so I think this is a game where Myers is definitely startable um, as well uh, in this game. Jacoby Myers nearly thirty PPR fantasy points, twelve receptions, one hundred sixty nine receiving yards, uh, fourteen targets. Right, so it's frustrating to choose the Patriots running back, and it's frustrating without Julian Edelman in there and Nikhil Harry gone to pick who that receiver is going to be. But when somebody has 14 targets, you obviously pay attention. Um, Myers's targets and receptions have increased the last three weeks uh, since he returned in week seven. So it's going to be interesting. We'll see what happens. You mentioned the Ravens are actually the eighth toughest matchup versus wide receivers, but they're down Marlon Humphrey. And honestly, there's a chance that Cam basically has to pull a, uh, you know, a, a fun and gun at the end of the game, like they did against the Jets. And if they do, I think that uh, Nikhil, or excuse me, um, Jacoby Myers and/or Demir Bird could be some sneaky stashes there with a lot of the receivers out. So I agree on that. He's definitely worth a uh, waiver wire pickup. Okay, let's jump into the final game of the week. Here we got the Minnesota Vikings heading into Chicago to face the Bears on Monday Night Football. The Vikings come in at three and five. Started very very rough early in the season they have battled back got a couple tough wins they're looking actually really solid right now of course dalvin cook is out of his mind currently on the other side the bears have just become who the bears are who we thought they were we've heard that before and i think that that is exactly where we at currently let's start with the minnesota vikings the question is man i mean we know that they're studs but are you confident starting adam thielen slash justin jefferson at this point Irv Smith Jr., two touchdowns last week, but just two targets. Kyle Rudolph, we don't start in fantasy football, but Irv Smith has a little bit of this young hype. Are you confident he's going to continue to get some more work, or are you just trying to fade him there? So receiving options, a question mark for me in Minnesota, and that rolls in Kirk Cousins as well against this Bears secondary, which is very, very good against receivers, very good against running backs, very good against quarterbacks as well so what are we doing here with the pass catchers in minnesota and Kirk cousins it's going to be a tough matchup for dalvin cook but obviously the number one running back needs to be 
uh, started in every single format, no matter what. On the Bears side, uh, you know, you and I talked before we uh, went live here. Darnell Mooney, fantastic receiver. Anthony Miller, fantastic receiver. Allen Robinson, I think a top 12, 15 receiver in the NFL, at least. These guys do not have a quarterback. It is, it breaks my heart every single week to see the stat line for Allen Robinson with like three targets through three and a half quarters. I'm like, oh shit, he must be hurt. Like, bummer. I look into the game like, nope, he's running every route and he's overthrown, whatever. And then the last like eight minutes of the game, he gets seven targets because the Bears realize that like they're behind and they have to use their best player. It's just such a shit show. Sorry. That bothers me with Allen Robinson because if he got 12 targets, 15 targets like the elite receivers do every other week, he would be a top 10 wide receiver. I believe that. The other question is Demont. We keep saying week after week after week, he gets the work. He's got a good floor play. You don't find a great floor like him in fantasy football. You got to start him because he gets the touches. Well, if the touches don't amount to anything, is it still worth it? So question marks for the pass catchers in Minnesota. How do you feel about Demont? And Allen Robinson, you have to start, but are you starting Mooney and or uh, Anthony Miller with any confidence against this Minnesota beat up secondary with Nick Foles? Yeah, I think on the Vikings side, I would say just play your receivers and leave it at that. Or I mean, like obviously you're playing Cook and I would say you're playing Cousins and um, Superflex leagues, but I would just say play the receivers. Don't worry about the tight ends yet. I think we need to see more before we can draw conclusions because Kyle Rudolph still gets his one catch for one yard in a touchdown game here or there. Um, but I think, I think Irv Smith is trending to sort of taking over, which we kind of all thought was going to happen this year. Um, so I would just say stick with your receivers um, and kind of roll with that on the Bears side. I mean, I think you just roll with Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, and Nick Foles is probably super flexible this week. Um, I don't know the whole David Montgomery thing. Like if you decided to take him, I don't like, I'm assuming you haven't backed off him yet. And like, I don't want to like be like, Vicky, you haven't backed off him yet. Like you're not good at fantasy, I guess, or anything, but like, I don't know what you would have pivoted to at this point. Um, so I don't know. I would say you got to play him. He did get banged up though. So do watch that. I don't know if he's going to play or not exactly, but he has an extra day, but he seems like you just got to play him because I don't know if you're just getting the work. And I guess that's such a bad like argument for him, but, it, but it's true. He's getting the work and that's about it. And I don't really know if we can expect more or less for him. He was in the uh, NFL concussion protocol. He does have the extra week being on Monday. So uh, hopefully he does play. Obviously if he does, I mean, there's Ryan Null. I mean, are you, I'm, I'm not playing him at no. that point. You got to just go somewhere else. So you're really, and I guess here's another question, man, that you have to start, thinking about Dalvin cook is a senator forget it but on the other side david montgomery man like he's got the volume but he doesn't have the upside necessarily he's not scoring many touchdowns are you going to bank on him being healthy to play monday night because here's a risk that we start to take is if you don't play somebody else to play david montgomery assuming he's healthy if we don't get an active designation before monday which with concussions we may not you're potentially risking a roster spot hoping that he plays and if he doesn't play you either go ryan null or you don't have an i mean you pick up you know what i mean you know cordell patterson like i don't know what you're going to do at that point also he's a running back so you may not be able to just throw him in your flex position because you have to fill out two running backs which is tough enough as it is if you're a david montgomery manager lucas what is your strategy this particular week um i would say I'd say you just got to pick up Ryan Nall, right? And then from there, I don't know. I mean, like you have to pick up Ryan Nall, then you just kind of have to evaluate from there. Like if you can pick up someone else that even if Montgomery plays, you're going to get the same production, if not more. So it's kind of see, normally in these situations, you just pick up the direct backup. But when it's the situation like the Bears, I don't even know if you want the direct backup, obviously. So that's why this is kind of a, a tough spot to be in here. Fair enough. The Vikings and the bears are both middle of the pack against fantasy running backs and tight ends. The bears are a top 10 toughest defense against quarterbacks and wide receivers. The Vikings are a bottom 10 easiest matchup against quarterbacks and wide receivers. So hopefully 
Allen Robinson can get loose in this game here for uh, for the Bears. All right, man, that wraps up our uh, tonight's game, Thursday Night Football. The rest of the afternoon games on Sunday that we did not cover yesterday with Bobby and Sunday Night Football and Monday as well. Lucas, before we get out of here, let's get your picks, man. Again, you still have a two-game lead on us, but Bobby and I were able to close the gap, and Dwayne is pulling up the rear here a little bit. So let's see if we can get these picks in and uh, how you're feeling this particular week. We'll start with tonight's game. Who do you have? Indianapolis Colts at Tennessee Titans. I have Tennessee. I, th- I think they're the better team. Um, yeah, I just think they're the better team in general. But it is, I think it is a coin flip game, though. I agree. Because it's a divisional matchup, it's a coin flip. But we see Phillip Rivers get flustered, and then they just – I don't think they have the firepower to keep up with an efficient, dominant offense and defensive team in Tennessee. I think Tennessee wins it by potentially two scores in this one. I'll take Tennessee as well. Let's go to the afternoon games that we cover here. We'll start with your Denver Broncos against the Las Vegas Raiders. Who you got? Yeah, I got the Denver Broncos here. Um, clearly, I guess you could say, I don't know. I think this is literally the Broncos like last three games have been coin flip games. So I'm just going to keep taking the Broncos. So we know that you're a house Broncos fan and I'm the Niner fan. We're not uh, shy about that at all, but we're obviously trying to keep it uh, as unbiased as possible. I think we do a great job doing that. My question is, Sometimes, other than the Chiefs, you pick the Broncos just to pick the Broncos because you're a fan. And it's kind of like, yeah, bro, they don't have a fucking shot in hell. However, this particular game is like the Broncos are looking good. We just talked about their offense and they're getting healthy and they lost Albert O, whatever, but they're looking healthy. Drew Locke is looking good. This is a huge game for the Broncos. And they're not bad enough yet to start looking at draft picks. (laughs) If they lose this game, they might. But they win this game. All of a sudden, they're looking at 500 and – so are the Raiders. And this is really starting to be a pretty competitive position. And as of right now, they are still mathematically available to make that seventh position for the AFC wild card. So this is not just a homer pick for you. I like the pick a lot. I'm going to go with the Raiders. It's at home. I think they have a little bit too much firepower on offense for this banged up Denver secondary, but we'll see if Drew Locke can handle it. And honestly, man, I want the Broncos to win, but I think just overall, I think the Ra- uh, the Raiders will get them. And if Josh Jacobs can, can, look as good as he did on Sunday and uh, stay healthy and get a couple scores. I think they'll be all right. So I'll go with the Raiders. All right, let's move on to the Cincinnati Bengals and Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, I have the Steelers, but I think I'm not for sure what the spread is, but I think this is a game where like, I don't know. I just, I think it's going to be a lot closer than I think the spread or this game could easily be uh, right down to the wire. I mean, the Bengals have come off a win against Tennessee and they've been in pretty much every single game they played in. So I'm looking forward to watching Burrow in this game. Now, is it fair to say take the Steelers if Ben plays, take the Bengals if Ben doesn't play? Is that legit? I think that's still – I think it's legit, but I don't know, like, how 100% that is. Because even – I mean, freaking the Steelers went 9-7 and seven last year with Duck Hodges playing. So, like, yeah, I guess it's legit, but I think there's still some flukiness to that. Got it. Okay, so you're rolling with Steelers automatically. I'm also going to roll with the Steelers, although this seems like a – the Steelers looked bad, dude. I mean, they they just overlooked the Cowboys clearly last week, and they didn't wake up until the second half. They eventually won the game because they're a much better team than Cowboys are right now. But if they come out sleeping on the Bengals, the Bengals are good offense. I'm worried about that defense, and I think the Bengals – versus this Pittsburgh defense might be a might be a roadblock. So I'm gonna take Pittsburgh overall. But if the Bengals win this game like they beat Tennessee a couple weeks ago, I'm don't think I'm gonna be very surprised, to be honest, especially if Big Ben is not at hundred percent in this one. So I'll go Pittsburgh, but I could see uh, Cincinnati pulling a huge upset in this one potentially in a rivalry game. All right, Seattle, Rams, this is a big one. A uh, lot of fireworks in this one. Seattle Seahawks, LA Rams. Go in Seattle. I don't. I don't know how the Rams are favored in this game. I think if if you followed Seattle's game last week, they gave the Buffalo Bills twenty eight points by four turnovers inside their own thirty five, and that's not going to happen again this week. I agree. Russell Wilson will not have four turnovers probably ever again in his career. Uh, they're potentially getting Chris Carson back. Rams are coming off a bye, so they're fresh. This game is at home. If the Rams don't get out to a big start like the Buffalo Bills did, I think. Seattle ultimately runs them. I will say this, though. 
I think it's going to be DK Metcalf and Jalen Ramsey <laughs> all game long. That is some serious uh, firepower, man. Um, I'm excited to watch that particular matchup. This Rams secondary is very good. We'll see what happens here. I'm going to take Seattle overall because I just don't think Russell loses two in a row. But again, if the Rams come out and play flawless football, they have a chance. But uh, I think the Seattle Seahawks are going to be too much uh, in the end. All right, San Francisco 49ers and New Orleans Saints. I'm going to go with the Saints, but I, I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. I think, I think Seattle, Seattle, I think the Niners match up well to attack the Saints defense. God, I hope you're right, dude. I actually feel completely the opposite. I'm going to take the Saints. I'm going to take the Saints in the pick em. I picked the Packers last week, and, and sure enough, the fucking Niners got blown out. Um, I'm worried about it, dude. Uh, I, think, I don't think it's a long shot, and everyone knows I'm a Nick Mullins fan. I don't think it's a long shot to say that Nick Mullins isn't necessarily as good as Tom Brady, and maybe the 49ers don't have as good of weapons as the Buccaneers do. And – the Saints absolutely obliterated the Buccaneers last week on all aspects. The Niners are still banged up. I'm worried about it. I know Shanahan's a genius and all this other shit. I'm worried about a stopping the Saints at home on their own turf with, with Michael Thomas back and B scoring enough points to keep up with them. I just don't think it's going to happen. Unfortunately, I'm also going to go with the Saints against my better judgment. All right. Sunday night football, Baltimore Ravens and new England Patriots. I'm going to go to the Ravens here, but I, I think this one's going to be close. I think New England showed last week that they're kind of coming back to their own. I mean, Baltimore is clearly not uh, the Baltimore that we saw last year. I agree. We know that Bill Belichick takes away, quote, the, you know, number one option for the offense. It has to be Lamar Jackson, right? So I don't even know if you, like, need to is the thing in this case from what we've seen this year. Like, are you focused I, on stopping the run and make him throw on you, or do you try to stop on do you you know you double cover Hollywood Brown, you double cover uh, Mark Andrews, and then and then corral Lamar Jackson and and hope that you know two backups can beat you on the ground? I'm just interested to see how the the yeah. game goes because you're right. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. Lamar Jackson is not the MVP we expected, and and obviously we we've seen that, um, but he doesn't throw for 300 yards anyway. He gets you on the ground for fantasy. So if he throws for 250, 270, and two or three scores that's a win for Lamar Jackson because he's going to get you 50 on the ground usually, but against this new England defense, man, it's going to be interesting. I don't think they're that good. I just think Bill Belichick has the seams to corral him and they did pretty well against him last year. So I think it's going to be interesting. I'm going to go Baltimore also because I think the Baltimore defense versus this new England offense, I think Baltimore is going to kill him on defense. To be honest, I think that's where the tables turn. Cam is not old school cam. It would be great if we had cam five years ago and Lamar Jackson right now, <laughs> to see both of these guys like play the same style of quarterback. Um, but I just think ultimately uh, Baltimore will get the best of them, but I am interested to see how uh, Belichick tries to corral uh, Lamar Jackson in this one. Okay. Last matchup, Minnesota Vikings, Chicago bears, Monday night football. I'm going to go with Vikings. I think, I think they're kind of a dark horse team to maybe make a push for the playoffs here. I think they, they finally are like hitting on offense and Obviously, their defense is bad, but I think they're hitting on offense so well now that it's offsetting their defense. And their defense is kind of coming back to not terrible, but still bad. So I think I think they're going to win this game, but I think they're going to kind of make a push here at the end of the year. I totally agree with you, man. I'm actually going to take the Vikings on the road in Chicago as well. Um, I think the only way Nick Foles gets out of this one and gets another one of his fake wins is if the Bears defense can shut down Dalvin Cook. If they can shut down Dalvin Cook, I think the secondary is good enough to corral the Vikings receivers and um, Kirk Cousins. So if this game is like 17-14, 17-10 kind of a game, I think the Bears win that game. But if the Vikings can get Dalvin Cook moving early, can get Thielen and, and Justin uh, Jefferson up early, I think the Vikings defense now is getting much better. They can stop the offense of the Bears overall. So if the Vikings can get to like – 24 27 points i don't think the bears can keep up but if this game is under 20 points i think it's the bears i'm going to take a uh, i'm going to take a stab at the vikings as well and i agree with you i think they also make a uh, playoff push all right man those are our picks for week 10 again lucas still on top 66 and 36 i'm at 64 and 38 bobby with me at 64 and 30 and dweez at 59 and 43 we have totaled since week three we did not do it week one and two but since week three those are our 
uh, Pickham's standings. Lucas up at the top, Bobby and I in second, and Dewey's right behind us. We appreciate everybody tuning in for episode 303. If you did not hear episode 300 on Monday, tune it back. Dive into our true strength of schedule breakdown with the commission boys. I think you're going to learn a lot. Again, it's a lot to handle. It's an hour and a half episode. Turn it on time and a half or double time if you want to get through it. Maybe listen to it twice if you got time. It's not a time-sensitive episode, meaning like this week or bust like the rest of ours are. Get a chunk of it this week. Listen to it again next week, whatever, and you know, learn quite a bit as we get into the playoffs. We'll do it again for you as a playoff primer, and then we'll do it postseason to let you know what we learned there as well. Make sure you go check out Lucas and I on social media, on Twitter and on Instagram. And of course, leave a five-star review right here on the podcast, wherever you're listening and a rating would be great as well. We appreciate that. Uh, Fantasy football underscore TCK pod on Instagram, TCK underscore pod on Twitter, all of our rankings and the strength of schedule chart now on the website, tckpod.com. Check us out tomorrow with Chris returning from the commission FFP to go through the TCK recap and preview of week nine and 10. And for Lucas Kaser, I'm Sky Guasco, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.